This is the final Sunday. I stopped right there. It'd be near going. The three Sunday series dealing with addiction. I could go on. As soon as I did that, I thought three Sundays is just not enough. We've just really scratched the surface. So today, I'm just going to have to hit some of the, the high points and encourage you. One book that you may want to get is an excellent book. It's a little deals with a little broader range than just addiction, but it's called Mendeth Meyer. They have clinics called Love is a Choice. It's an excellent book. Uh, another book that I'd highly recommend is J. Adams' Competent to Counsel. Uh, excellent, excellent book. Uh, he's the uh, propagator of what's called Nuthetic Counseling, which is what I embrace, and I'll hit on that again just in a moment. First Sunday, we kind of basically spelled out the cause of addiction. There's many causes, peer group, environment, but one of the major causes is pain. Pain and extreme boredom. I ever talked to you about how so many people, when they retire, move to Florida, all of a sudden alcoholism shoots sky high. You know, at first you just love to sit around and look at your wife, and then pretty soon she says, don't you have something to do? <laughs> and he does. <laughs> but, uh, so, but pain, you know, whether it be childhood things that's happened to you, you'd be surprised how many people that are sexually abused that I have counseled over the years. I've come to my own personal survey that one out of every three women have been sexually molested in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, it's just incredible. So a lot of times people are dealing with a lot of pain, a lot of undealt issues will turn to drugs, alcohol. Uh, it's, it's amazing how many lady, they seem to hide it better than men, lady alcoholics that I've counseled. It's just uh, amazing. But uh, I've seen the pain of what addiction costs. And some of you, most of you, there, and it's not just drugs and alcohol. That's the first thing to think about. There's all kind. I have to fight. You want to know what my addiction is? I mean, obviously. <laughs> I'm addicted to food. <laughs> Linda's always on me about that. But i tell you something that I have to fight against. You know, I, <laughs> Linda's about to kill me now. See, I, you all know I make these hats, and I've got my own certain designs and such that I make. Well, just to buy the, the basic, I buy this just the blank, and then I build off that felt. And... Uh, I can do that all day long. Well, it's not cheap, and so I try to hide it from Linda every now and then. I ordered another <laughs> another blank. And then when the bills come, that turns into an argument. But uh, I know you think she'd understand me. But uh, so you know, I, I, there's that thing about buying and waiting for that next thing to come in that you want to work on, or it's your hobby, or things of that nature, or motorcycle parts. Now that that's that. My dad always said that. God doesn't count against you fishing time, and I added into that or riding your motorcycle. It's two times that don't count against you. But then again, that, those things can be addictive. We, God's Word tells us, Philippians 4, moderation in all things. God's Word also tells in Romans, every, I'm, everything is, is lawful for me, but not everything is expedient. You can make an addiction out of just about anything. You'd be surprised at people who are addicted to other people. And when that breaks up, man, they're just, I mean, you, you've got to have suicide watch, everything in the world. Uh, 
our addiction that should be permissible is to the Lord Jesus Christ plus nothing. Anything else is out of kilter, out of balance. I want to read a passage of scripture. Today what we're going to deal with is, and this, this is my this is my firm belief. There are many programs to uh, help with addiction. Uh, the other night, uh, Lynn and I went to sit in on a program, and uh, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I told Lynn, I said, I was suffocating in there. What they did is they utilized what's called, they don't even know it, but you take somebody like myself who's been studying this for 45 years, I said, no, what they're doing is synthesizing—they are synthesizing. I'll spit it out in a minute. In other words, they take a little of different secular ways of dealing with addiction, and then sprinkle some Bible verses over. That don't work. What fellowship has Christ with Belial? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? It's not what you think or what somebody else thinks. You have to believe the Bible's the Word of God. If you don't, you might as well go, if you're a Christian, first of all, I don't know how you can be a Christian if you don't believe the Bible's the Word of God. So you've you got to get that set. The brass withered, the flower faith, but the Word of God is forever. That's one thing that will be in heaven that will have been on earth. Everything else on earth will be ruined and destroyed by fire. But the one thing that will be in heaven is the Word of God. You, once you come to that realization, then you realize that the Bible is the manual on how to live. Jesus said, I've come that you might have joy and you might have it more abundantly. He, he has come to give us victory. John 8 tells us, whom he has set free is free indeed. So if, if Freud is setting you free or Rogers is setting you free or Larry Crabb's system is setting you free or uh, group therapy is setting you free, then that makes the Bible a lie, right? No, this is yes. I felt just like Jim Bush when I did that. That's another story. Okay. The, Bible, you have to, the Bible is the all of one. Like we read last week in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. The Greek word there for perfect means literally mature. So right away, God's word makes a claim. You want to be right? Then follow the word of God. You can read all these other counsel methods that I've shared with you and I've read them. In fact, at Grace Seminary, where Matt got his doctorate, at one time they had the pastoral counselor, Larry Craig. And finally, they, I could have told him what he believes, but nobody asked me. And finally, after a year, they decided, I think it's about a year, they decided, you've got to go. You see, if you're not teaching the Bible, if you are synthesizing with something else, you're merging something else, then you are adulterating the Word of God. You know, Grandma, Grandpa used to have, before they had indoor plumbing, the, not far from the house, I'd say probably 25 yards, was a spring. And uh, Grandma said, Dick, you need some more uh, drinking water. And so I'd go out there. And I learned early to take the dipper off the side of the tree there. He said, you put that. And very carefully, you dip the water. You just don't go like that. Why don't you just go like that? You stir up the leaves and the sediments down there. If you take a glass of water and you hold it up and you've got leaves and pieces, of, that's called adulterated. That water's adulterated. Oh, you can still drink it. 
It'll go down. But it's not pure. Anything you add to the Word of God, you adulterate. Here's something an old professor of mine said years ago, a man I highly recommend, uh, respected. He said, something doesn't work because it's true. It's not necessarily true because it works. You see, somebody said, well, I know I did this and it works well, it may be, but that don't mean it's true. And true truth is the Word of God. And it may work for you, but the long run, something is, and I've shared with you how Bill Wilson, the founder of AA, uh, was a big success about stopping alcoholics, but he took LSD. <laughs> It just, you know, just changed his addiction. What I want to proclaim is freedom from addiction. And of course, you've heard the thing, well, you'll always be an addict. No, you'll have the tendency to be an addict. But whom Christ has set free is free indeed. You see, I believe Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He cannot lie. Amen? Amen. That's why I believe to really be free from whatever addiction you have, you got to remember Romans 6, sin does not have control over you. You're saved. And I believe that every saved Christian can be free from addiction. If you're not saved, you're still an addict because Jesus said, you are of your father the devil and the works of your father you will do. The devil has control over you. But if Jesus is your father, then you have freedom. Now that, that doesn't mean that a Christian, born again Christian, bona fide Christian, can't be an addict. But he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be. For the first time, if you're a Christian, you have a choice. That doesn't mean it'll be easy. I'm 66 years old, and I'll tell you what, I haven't found anything worthwhile easy. Have you? No. And God never promised us a Disneyland. And again, I've used this before, but I believe all what C.S. Lewis says. I don't think God's so interested in your happiness as He is in you growing up. And that means you have to fight every day. Why do you think God's word said, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow will take thought into the things of itself. Sufficient unto today is the evil thereof. You know, it's one thing that the 12-step program did. Allow me to accept today. Get through today. If you never had to do that, I've, I've been points in my life where I'd look at my clock and say, Lord, help me get through the next hour. If you ever been inside, so, so why you can't live like that? If I had a, a boundary of timber over here, uh, Tom and I said, uh, once you cut that boundary of tim timber down, you look at me and say, that'd take a lifetime. You don't think of it that way. You start with one tree. And then one day you look back and it's gone. That's life. You take it a day at a time. It's like somebody broke up with somebody they loved. And somebody they loved said, hey, I don't want you no more. They said, how am I going to live? You live one day at a time. You take it one day at a time. And one day you look back and say, well, it wasn't easy. But the Lord Jesus Christ got me through. I've done a lot of funerals. I've got to do a funeral tomorrow. Uh, here at the church at 3 o'clock, Mike Bowser, anybody? Reggie, you up there? You knew Mike. That's tomorrow at 3 o'clock in case you wanted to, wanted to know about it. But uh, I've seen so many wives and husbands in the worst, worst funerals is when a child passes away. That's, uh, that is, I mean, it really, the parents look at you like, what are we going to do? How are we going to live? And the only thing you can do is offer love, concern, make yourself available, and encourage them. One minute. Get through the next minute. 
get through the next minute. You'll never get over it, but you'll learn to live with it. So many people turn into addicts because they refuse to fight. If a Christian is an addict, it's because he does not utilize or understand the Word of God. You do not have to be like that. And it becomes your choice. I know you read Scripture. Look at Psalm 51, verse 17. <coughs> Psalm 51, verse 17. How do you know if you're a born-again Christian? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Now, if you want one thing that you must have before you are saved, is your heart broken and contrite over your spiritual condition? If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, you're going to look back on your life. I still yet, uh, I thought Linda heard me the other morning. I do it all the time. I'll say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Because uh, something comes to my mind. I, the other day, I said, Lord, forgive me. She said something like, well, and I tell you what was on my mind. A situation happened back in high school. Something stupid I did. And it comes to my mind. I say, I cringe. You're like, oh man, I can't believe I said that and did that. Lord, please cover that under the blood. Forgive me. So many things, you know. And sin, sin should be abhorrent to you. But then to, if you're not saved, you need to realize that you need a Savior, that your heart is broken because of your sinfulness, that you realize that God is just, therefore He must punish sin. And because of that, your heart is broken because you know in and of yourself, you're going to split hell wide open unless you have a Savior. That ought to bring tears to you. Now, I'm not saying you will. I've seen some people get saved and they cry and shout and jump up and down. And I've seen some people that <coughs> do not show emotion, but they're just as saved as the one who demonstrates a lot of emotion. But is your heart broken because of sin? And do you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? And if you did, you invite him into your heart. If you confess him before men, he will confess you before your Father in heaven. But if you, <coughs> excuse me, if you deny him before men, he will deny you before his Father in heaven. And so as a result, we have to confess him. How do we do that? By not being ashamed of him. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God of the salvation to the Jew first and to the Gentile. But you're not ashamed of Jesus because he wasn't ashamed to carry your cross down to be a Dolorosa. And so when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you need to know that you know that you know. Nobody else around you may see it or know it. And they, they may say things like, well, we'll see if he's saved or not. It doesn't mean some days you'll take one step forward and some days you'll take two steps back. But you've got to know whom you believe. You know, I, I've told you before, I've had, uh, the youngs have had a long history of anger issues. And we were talking about my grandson, Skyler, this morning. And uh, we were talking about how he's very industrious and such. So I said, yeah, but he's got that temper. <laughs> I said, wonder where he got that. You have to fight it. You have to fight. There's, you're, there's always going to be this struggle, even as a Christian. You'll have that carnality that still wants to do the things that you know are contrary to the Lord's will. But here's the beautiful thing about it. If you are saved, you are given then the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in you, as John chapter 16, starting verse 7 to 11 tells us, the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. 
Remember I said a broken and contrite heart? It's a constant reminder that we need a Savior. We need Jesus Christ who is our Savior, our champion, our Lord, our Messiah, our Christ. And so the Holy Spirit that we have not only convicts us of sin, but empowers us to overcome the temptations and the addictions of the world. You see, the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is parakletos. Para means walk alongside of the power. So when we are saved, we have, we're not fighting it on our own. We fight it alongside of the power of God, which is the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's why I know the addict can be free if, if he will believe the Word of God, use the Word of God, and hang on to the, the Holy Spirit. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And also if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you something, people. Everyone of us here has done things in the past that we'd love to be able to go back and change. Amen? Amen. You can't. But it can be covered under the blood of Jesus Christ, and therefore, it's as though it never happened in the sight of God. You have to learn to forgive yourself. If, if the Lord can forgive you, then you need to forgive yourself. Realizing if you're saved, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance, that's the perfect thing to find addiction with. Moderation in all things. Okay, three things you need to know when it comes to fighting addiction. We are made, now you may find some theologians who will disagree with me, but I have written on this subject, and uh, Matthew and I both are members of what's called the Evangelical Theological Society that you have to have the proper degrees and such to even be a member of. And uh, I've submitted papers to them in the past. They did not want to write my paper. I don't care. <laughs> uh, but in any event, people will say we're either a trichotomy or a dichotomy. Trichotomy means we're spirit, soul, and body. Three. Some will say no, spirit and soul are the same thing. Therefore, we are a dichotomy too. I developed, and I believe I received this by leading of the Holy Spirit, what's called a diatribe, a combination of both. And let me explain why. It's completely different than either a die or a tri. It's a blending of the two. It's, it's, it's synthesizing is all right, I believe it's all right here, I'll explain why. Let's say we are composed, I'm talking to Christians now, not to non-Christian. You're a non-Christian, you're a diatribe. You're soul and body. If you're a Christian, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit, you have the soul, which is your soulish, or oftentimes your mental condition, and you have your body. Non-Christian, dichotomy. Born-again Christian, trichotomy. So how do we make the human being, the Christian, free from addiction? You tattoo these on your brain. Number one, what we've been talking about. You must, Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. I'm sorry if that falls in the face. Well, I, I got a cousin or a brother or nephew. He'll never come to church, so he's going to go to uh, 
AA, go to AA. Maybe you'll get some help out of it. Maybe he'll use that to be a stepping stone when it says to seek a higher power, he'll be led in the right direction. Do it. But I'm telling you, as a Christian, if you want guaranteed, that means you won't fight for it. Freedom from addiction. You must be born again. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit when you're born again. You are comprised of the soulish nature. God's word says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. And that's your mind, your, your, your soulish nature, nature, your identity. So without the indwelling Holy Spirit as a Christian, you're not going to have control over your soulish nature unless it belongs to God. Your name written on the Lamb's Book of Life, you have the soulish nature. You are receiving the Word of God. This is where the Word of God is of utmost importance if you want to be free from whatever the addiction is. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharp than any two-edged sword, piercing to dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Notice that, dividing of soul and spirit and joining marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so you must, if you want to be free from addiction, Jesus Christ gave us the perfect example. I don't care what Freud or any or, or Crabbe or, or any of these other guys say. Jesus gave us an example how to be victorious. In Matthew chapter 4, when he went into the wilderness, every time the devil attacked, he would quote scripture at it. Ephesians 5 tells, or sorry, Ephesians 6 tells us, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. You may have be battling addiction. You're a born-again Christian. The temptation comes back upon you. I don't have any scripture memorized for that point. Well, that's where 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved a word of it and need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, have scripture applicable to whatever you're battling. Have it memorized. And every time that addiction or that temptation comes, you attack it with scripture. You attack it with scripture. I know this to be the answer. I also believe, remember, Nancy Reagan came out with this drug program, Just Say No. There's a lot of truth in that, not in the sense that she meant it. But if you are a Christian, all of a sudden, I want to show you something. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. How are we doing time-wise, son? 15 minutes, sir. In James chapter 1, start with verse 13. James chapter 1, start with verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. We see exactly how the devil works. We all have a carnal nature. Nancy, use Nancy Reagan's motto. The moment a thought enters your mind, whether it's dealing with lust, whether it's dealing with alcoholism, whatever, as soon as it enters your mind, and, and I do this, I, I literally shake my head. I will literally shake my head. I don't want that. I don't want that. That's using natural just say no. Don't do not even give in to that thought. 
Because once you, once the digression starts, see it says you're tempted by your lust. When you think about that, you, you'll commit sin. And sin will turn into death. So immediately, like Marnie 5 said, nip it and nip it in the bud. Right away. Do not give in to that thought. The longer you dwell on it, the harder it is to back out. I'm just telling you. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to change gears and what's going on in our mind. God's Word tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, there's many voices in the world and none are without significance. So who are you going to listen to? Remember, the Bible is God-breathed. The Holy Spirit is in the Word of God. Holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit when they wrote the Bible. So the Spirit power is in the Word of God. So when a temptation starts, have a scripture applicable. You may say that scripture to your week of breath, but you keep holding that sword high. And God's word says, resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the devil. So many people, it's just like with, with, with addiction. So many people want some kind of pill they can take, something easy to be able to not be an addict no more. You've heard what I've said before. But the only pill is a gospel. That's the only answer. Still cute, I think. That's the only answer. There's no magic button. We all battle on this. There might, might, might not be a battle for Angela. Or might, there might not be a battle for Doug. There might not be a battle for Doug. might be a battle for me. That's the battle. God has placed us in the battle. And there may be thoughts that go through your mind and temptations go through your mind that you know you don't need to entertain. I tell you one of the most dangerous things in this day and time is the internet. To young people, to older people, I tell you what, I, this may, may hit some people here this morning, but it needs to if you're going back and particularly when you get in an argument with your spouse or something. So tempting to go back and Look up old boyfriends or old girlfriends. What do you look up? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. <laughs> Uh-oh. Little backhand there. Let me get that thought out of his head. Going back. See, when you're vulnerable, when you're mad, I don't know about you, I've got a messed up neck, a messed up back, a messed up leg, and it's all because I said, watch this. <laughs> I wish I would nip that thought. <laughs> You don't give in to it. You're vulnerable. Realize how the devil works. He, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's watching what might be your weak point. And then you get on the internet and you start looking up stuff or old people like that and you just start to contact them. Oh, we're just friends. Just want to, want to talk. Bull crap. That friendship will turn into something deeper before you know it. But you listen to me, my husband don't. You know why we don't? You never know when to quit. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Just think it. Should admit that, should admit that thought in the bud. Or some husband. He may not try to contact some old girlfriend, but it's sure easy to flip a, a image up that doesn't require any interaction, that you're not 
put down and become addicted to pornography. It's so dangerous. God's word says there's nothing new under the sun. That's true. But it's the same old sins, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, more readily available than ever before. Eas more easily accessible than ever before. God never said it's going to be easy. But we are spirit. We are mind. Therefore, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our soul. And the third composite of our diatrichotomy is body. You know, God's word says in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, because of the fall, man is to earn his being by the sweat of his brow. We were intended to be agrarian. But now we have so much, so much automation and such that we do not use our bodies as they were intended to work. Have you ever heard the old expression, idleness is the devil's workshop? Man, that is true. The reason why it's old expression because it's true. Charles Haddon Spurgeon told his young minister's college, he'd say, take long walks in the field. He knew that there's spirit, mind, and body. And though you're going to fight uh, with the Spirit, empowering of the Holy Spirit, you're going to do your part as a warrior of Christ and have the sword of the Spirit. But at the same time, our bodies today are pent up with energy that needs to be expended. You say, well, I'm not able to exercise. I'm not able. Take a walk. Just take a long walk. Just get that energy. Anger. Go, go punch a lump of clay or a punching bag. That pent up energy is dangerous. Plus that gives the devil time to work on you to cause you to give in and then your problems is worse than it was before. It may be a matter of uh, ride a bicycle or do just do something. God's word says physical exercise profiteth little. But it did not say nothing. It did not say nothing. First Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, I stay under my body to keep it into submission, lest when I have considered others, I have become a shipwreck. You got to remember, Paul, they walked everywhere they went. Jesus Christ walked everywhere he went. And now we, it kills me to go to Wally World and watch some guy that weighs about 300 pounds circle the parking lot and you find one parking place closer to the door. When of all the people, he need to park the furthest away. That just bugs the daylights out. They'll even stop. Even those, they will stop and if they think somebody's pulling out and block traffic for that person. I mean, it's not that they're in the handicap place. That's not it. They just don't want to move their slack butt. They want to just, we, we got uh, too much time, too much pent up energy. That'll help us with our anger problems. That'll help us with so many other issues. You see, we are comprised of spirit, soul, and body. And so it is our responsibility to, if you want to be a well-rounded Christian, you need to deal with all three of these. And you will have freedom from addiction. If you become an addict as a Christian, 
It's only because you chose to and you threw in the towel and gave up the fight. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen? Let's stand with you. Years ago, my dad wrote a slogan that they put on a poster put on all the all over Bethlehem still in Baltimore. And it is so true. His slogan that he came up with is excuses are made to serve those who make them. Think about that a while. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence. We thank you for this day. We thank you that as your word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, I pray if anyone here this morning does not know you as the Lord and the Savior of their life, that they'll pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord, my God, and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing, and thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer by James Payne's invitation, please come to the front. Addiction is escapism. You don't want to face this. You don't want to face that. But if Jesus Christ is real in your life every day, and you put your hand in nail scarred hand, you can walk through this day. Because our addictions are not only harmful to each one of us, destroying spirit, soul, and body, but it's harmful to those that are around us. If you want true happiness, that means walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. If you get the chance, I know there's a lot of scripture I'm going to go over. Uh, read today if you get the opportunity of Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 24. And it talks about yielding to the spirit, not to the flesh. Father, thank you so very much for this day. Please keep us now in our going out and coming in and bring us back safely at the point in time. But these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen.